I recently saw a six-minute video. It's too long for what I usually use as a sermon bumper. That's a common term for a brief introductory video for a sermon in our contemporary service. But it was also by a Baptist named Paul Washer, so I almost passed it by without watching. But I was intrigued by the title of this six-minute video, What Are You Seeking? What Are You Seeking? Well, I stopped and listened, and I was floored by one thing he said. It was powerful. He said, don't think of yourself as saved to serve. Think of yourself as saved to seek. My name is Steve West, and I'm pastor of Jacksonville First United Methodist Church here in the North Alabama Conference. And if there's a theme to this week's readings, it is this question, what are you seeking? Now that, that phrase, what are you seeking, actually occurs in today's readings. It's in the, the Genesis reading from chapter 37, the very beginning of the saga of Joseph and his family. It all starts with how he was 17 years old and he was watching the flocks and came in with a bad report on his relatives and his brothers, of course, but he was Jacob's favorite. It tells of the coat of many colors and the reason uh, he was Jacob's favorite, of course, his, his son of his old age, and how his brothers disliked him and could not speak peaceably to him. All that was the beginnings of this. And his brothers, the story, uh, the first story here in that saga is his brothers went out to pasture the flock. And, and honestly, I think Jacob, who now is called Israel, of course, sent him to check on them to bring a, a report back. Now, since he had done that a bit earlier in the intro reading, you know, the reader figures he's probably not going to bring back a good report, and Jacob knew that. Now, when he got there, that's where the phrase comes in or the question comes in. When he got there, looking around the field, a man found him wandering around and said, what are you seeking? Now, that question appears there. Now, what fascinates me is I look around this and read around this this week and mold around with it, is that this is one of the most common questions in the Bible. What are you seeking? What are you looking for? And I wondered why it was here. Such a seemingly insignificant detail. You know, the guy tells him that, no, they weren't in that field. They went to Dothan. So he goes there and then all the action starts happening. So why is this little encounter with this man in the wrong field in here if it wasn't simply to give us an incredibly profound question. What are you seeking? What was Joseph seeking? What are you seeking? Again, it's a really common question in the Bible. Uh, John, in describing the calling of the first disciples, has John the Baptist sending some after Jesus. Jesus walks by, he says, behold the Lamb of God, taking away the sins of the world. Some followers start following Jesus, and Jesus immediately turns around and asks them, what are you seeking, or what are you looking for? Now, in classic form, they don't know how to answer his question, so they avoid the question a bit. They just say, well, where are you staying? And Jesus says, come and see. And then you have this interesting little pattern, the spirituality of what are you looking for? Come and see. Philip says the same thing down later in the chapter to Nathaniel, who expresses his doubts about following Jesus. What good can come out of Nazareth? Philip says the same thing Jesus said. He was 
truly involved in spiritual formation because Christ's own words formed him. He said to Nathaniel, come and see the same thing. So it's a common question. What are you looking for? What are you seeking? There's got to be a reason it's here in Genesis. I'm not sure he was seeking trouble, but Joseph was definitely about to step into it because that's when it all started. Right after this, they threw him in the cistern. They took his coat of many colors and they ripped it up. They sold him into slavery. It was the beginning of all that. Was he seeking that? Well, I wouldn't be seeking that, but he was seeking. He became a man who seeks, who's always seeking after the will of God. There's this theme that strange little question of the man in the field, who we don't even know who he is, but he, the strange little question of Joseph asks, it kind of presents a theme, what's he seeking? And, and Joseph had enough seeking in his life to have the perspective to say to his, to his brothers chapters later and very much at the end of the whole saga, do not be angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. That wasn't just about forgiveness. That was about spiritual maturity. Because all along in all these troubles, Joseph refused to play the victim. He was always seeking the heart of God. That video I started with uh, today by Paul Washer said, you may accomplish many things in the eyes of others, but it will all be hollow and rotten. But if your passion is seeking out God, then everything else will fall into place. What are you seeking? What are you seeking? In the psalm in this week's readings, Psalm 105 the phrase appears, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. And when we pray this psalm, for psalms are meant not to be read, but prayed and even sung, it, it leaves us asking, well, what am I seeking? If I'm seeking the Lord and his strength and seeking his presence continually, what am I seeking in my life? When you move to the gospel, which is one of the most classic stories, in the gospel, the story of Jesus walking on water and inviting Peter to step out. At the first glance, it has little to do with seeking. But having read all this this week, I began to notice what Peter was seeking here. Peter says something interestingly. He says, if it is you, command me to come and join you in the water. What's behind Peter's request? Not only to be able to step out, because I don't think he was just trying to be a show-off. But what was that about? I don't know if you've been watching The Chosen. I have, and I found it fascinating. It's this free historical fiction, of course, based on the skeleton of what's in Scripture in the Gospels. There have been three seasons so far. It's been fascinating to me. And it kind of asks this question. Again, it's historical fiction. So it's all about asking this question, what these early followers, these women and men, might have been doing and saying and struggling with around the campfire at night and around what Jesus was doing as he prepared the Sermon on the Mount and so forth. I found it to be powerful and imaginative. Again, it's historical fiction about the backstories and the undergirding stories of what those chosen people, men and women, might have been going through. And the end of season three, which is the last episode that's been published so far, the end of season three has this story in it, has the story of Jesus walking on, on water. 
and they enhance the story of Peter with some background. And it kind of gets me in touch with this question, what was Peter really looking for in this moment? Again, this is historical fiction, but Peter had been growing in his attitude. His wife had had a miscarriage. He had some strife at home. Again, that's historical fiction. And he was just plain mad at Jesus. He was getting madder and madder at Jesus because from his point of view, Jesus was focusing so much on everybody else and not on him and his problems at home. And so while they get to that part of the episode where in that storm, they begin to see Jesus. They think maybe he's a ghost. And Peter says, if it is you, command me to step out of the boat. When they get to that moment, the chosen expands their conversation. And they, he expresses his anger. And Jesus says to him these familiar words we find elsewhere in Scripture, of course. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And holds his hand out for Peter. And Peter comes and as in the text, he looks at the waves and falls in, and Jesus' hand plunges into the water to save him. But then they have some moments between Jesus and Peter when he just collapses into Jesus' arms, and they have these moments of confession and forgiveness and assurance. And again, that's historical fiction around the text, but it is so imaginative because I wonder, I was left wondering when watching the episode, and then upon looking at what Peter actually says here, you know, it makes sense that he's seeking something. What Peter brought to that moment wasn't that he wanted to be a show-off. He was looking for something. Peter, what are you seeking? He only knew to say, I want to walk with you if you just call me to. But I bet there was much depth beneath that moment. It was a profound moment when Jesus said to Peter in a way that couldn't be more potent and powerful, what are you seeking? Peter didn't say, if it is you, command me to join you on the water, but to prove a point or prove himself. The if of if it is you may have had something to do with the fact that the text said they all thought he was a ghost. But there are a thousand other ways Jesus could have cleared up that question. But something spoke to Peter's heart saying, you need to step out of the boat, Peter. You need to hear Jesus say it, Peter. You need to let something in your heart be changed, Peter. What are you seeking? This story is not just about the power of Jesus. If that's all the story was about, he'd be little more than a character in the Marvel Universe. It's a story about the human condition. We're always looking for something. And that has everything to do with stepping out of the boat. I believe everybody has a God-shaped hole in their heart. Billy Graham is famous for saying, when you're feeling lonely, we get to this place where we realize it's a loneliness for God. Christians are always seeking. I suppose that's why Jesus said, seek and you shall find, not you've already found everything you need to be looking for. Seek and you shall find. What are you seeking? And back to that phrase from Phil Washer on the little video, we're saved not to serve but to seek. We are called to an ongoing, vibrant, active search for the great mysteries of the kingdom of God. And our seeking leads us to new and deeper layers of grace. It leads us to both Jesus and justice. It leads us to the unfolding mysteries of the kingdom beneath the surface of life. Ultimately, it leads to love beyond all measure. And as John says, in him is life. And the life is the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness. 
and the darkness will never overcome it. What are you seeking? As we close these moments, and I thank you for joining me today, I'd like to lead us in the the prayer with one of my favorite prayers from Thomas Merton. It's often called the Seeker's Prayer. Will you join me in Merton's Seeker's Prayer? Let us pray. I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I'm following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope that I have that desire in all that I am doing. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I might know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen and Amen.